Anissa Sanusi, what is your favorite game? My favorite game is Persona 5 Royal. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been summoned to you uh, for a fight, I heard. This is going to be one bitch-ass fight. <laughs> <laughs> experience with video games isn't particularly interesting. I feel like it's a cliche of my older brothers both uh, were into video games and I got to follow the two of them. Well, I get to follow my dad, bring the two of them to a game shop back home in Malaysia, Southeast Asia. Uh, And our very first console was a Sega Mega Drive, I think. Definitely one of those ones with a really big chunky uh, cartridges. And because we're Southeast Asia, uh, we get a lot of uh, Japanese games. And none of them are translated, obviously. But those were the only games that we had. So we kind of just bought it and figured it out. Like we just pressed every menu button just to trying to figure out how to play this game. Uh, thankfully, the game that we bought was a fighting game based on a uh, manga that me and my brothers really, really loved called Yu Yu Hakusho. And uh, we would just play that fighting game against each other all the time. And it's great. Uh, so I would say that was like my most earliest, best memories of video gaming um, before uh, eventually kind of moving upwards towards getting a PlayStation 1. Um, and again, it's the same case where I think it was my brothers who uh, who asked for the for the games console, but I was just so much more of an avid gamer than they were that I would kind of stay up late and play by myself um, up until the wee morning at like 4 a.m. or something, or just like full, full on just stole it from their room and bring it to my room. Hmm. And uh, yeah, eventually, uh, eventually we'd you know gradu- graduate <laughs> to a PlayStation 2 uh, and both my brothers went to boarding school which meant I had full reign <laughs> so it was great uh, obviously we also had a Game Boy Color that was my very first Nintendo console as well gosh n- n- as I'm saying this I feel like I'm quite the spoiled child we had a lot of consoles g- growing up and uh, definitely lucky to be able to try out a lot of different games and it's, it's a little bit different in Southeast Asia um, in terms of like how we acquire video games. So back home, um, 
this is in the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, the only way that we could afford any video game is by piracy. Like, as, as a child, you don't know what you're doing is piracy. Mm. Um, thinking back on it now, I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, there's no way that, like, a like a single disc would cost like five ringgit. So five ringgit is basically like a pound. There is no way a PlayStation 1 game would cost you a pound, right? But to us, that was like the most um, reasonable price we would play. And obviously, um, there's this kind of uh, institutionalized system going on where like all of our PlayStations, our PS1s and PS2s, right? Like you go to the shops and then if you ask for one, they'll be like, you got to get this chipped. Like if you don't chip it, uh, you're not going to be able to play any games because if you play the original games, as we call them, like original discs from, I don't know, um, overseas, like the UK or America or even Japan itself, then it costs you like hundreds and thousands of ringgits. And that's just like way too high for anyone to be able to afford anything. Mm. And it's interesting to think about that now because I obviously I'm not uh, living in, the, in Malaysia anymore. So a lot of my recent video, video games uh, experiences with Steam or with uh, the PS4 or the PS3 even has been, you know, UK based and I've been paying for proper games like original games. But back then, you know, everything's chipped, everything's pirated. So mm. I would go to these game shops, right? And you just have loads of like uh, printed uh copied cds like cd roms for the pc i was a huge avid like barbie gamer i played all the barbie games on like my little pirated discs it's amazing um and obviously with with uh, the playstation or the playstation 2 uh we we didn't really have a great source of um like what is good or what is bad um what i mean is like games media like we didn't have a lot of uh, magazines that is targeted to the Southeast Asian um, audience. Like uh, maybe I didn't never came across it. I definitely, it was definitely really difficult for me to come across any, any kind of like gaming review magazines back then, right? We did eventually have one in the mid 2000s um, called Gumpak Stars. Um, and they, they were like video games and comics and you know, that kind of nerd culture. Uh, but prior to that, it was a bit of a hit and miss. Like you go to these shops, you buy like 20, 30 discs, like hoard all of them. You have, I have no idea if any of them good, never heard of any of them. Literally judging a book by its cover. I'm just like, this art style looks cool. I'm going to buy this and play it. And that was it. And, and the, the journey doesn't stop there. When you come back home and you put it into your PlayStation, there's this bit where like, it's a, it's a bit of a dice roll where you don't know if it works. Because they're all pirated CDs. There is no like customer support. There's no like refund. Like you bought it and that's it. Like they're not gonna like, oh, it doesn't work. Eh. So um doesn't work. Like, Fuck you, out of luck. <laughs> yeah, so so like this is why I never got past um disc two of Final Fantasy Nine because my disc stopped working. And I was just like, well, that's it, can't can't finish this. Um my uh, I could never get past uh the loading screen for Final Fantasy X. So uh, the furthest I've been in that game was in recent memory when I downloaded it again on my Switch. So yeah, um, it's, it's kind of crazy thinking that like my entire, I, I want to say like the thing that got me into video games as a career was the fact that I played uh, really this really big popular uh, 
JRPGs, right? So the, the big two for me is Final Fantasy VII, the original, and also Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Mm. Thinking back about how flimsy like our piracy thing was back then, it was amazing that I got all of these games to work long enough for me to enjoy them and for me to be like fully immersed in that nerd geek culture, right? Um, but yeah, playing Kingdom Hearts 2, looking at the the graphics that was amazing uh that pushed me into wanting to go into animation uh as a career and uh this this story i feel like i've, I've told it quite often now I'm, I'm not sure it's interesting anymore but um you know being from asia with asian parents uh they the number one concern is that you should be able to uh you know sustain yourself like you, you know we want you to get a good paying job and just going into uh, into art was a bit of like, oof, are you sure? Um, and I think I made a deal with my parents being all like, in, this was in high school, right? Um, we, we have this massive exam, which is I think the equivalent of like an O-level. Hmm. Um, and I did 11 subjects and the deal was like, just get straight A's and we'll let you do whatever you want. Just study, get get the grades, right? Um, and my subjects were like accounting, uh, chemistry, physics, and I just really hated all of it because I, I kept, I'm so focused with art as, as a career, right? Like I didn't even care what it was. I am a born artist. Like I'm an artist. Gosh, I was insufferable as a young child. <laughs> um, but in a way, like, you know, the only way my parents get me to do anything is bribery. So this is one of them. Like, we'll let you do that if you get you know, if you get straight A's and stuff. And I was like, all right, fine, I did it. So I did it, I got straight A's um, and uh, didn't even like wait. Usually we have like a three month wait from like finishing your exams. And then there's a three month wait until you get the results of your exams. And then that's mm -hmm. when people start like actually applying to or getting into universities and stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't even wait for my results. Like I straight up went straight into art school. Like I was like, nah. I got in through using um, my grades from my mock exams uh, and obviously have like a process, like uh, you send in drawings and stuff, you know, and they, they see like what, what you're interested in. Um, but yeah, so straight, straight off, um, straight out of school, I went to art school and um, I got culture shock, I think is it, a nice way to say it, in a sense that like when you're in school, uh, you are easily the most whatever you are, you know, because everyone's a huge melting pot. People from all over uh, your region have different skills and different personalities. I am the artist. Again, I am the artist. I'm the girl who draws, right? You go into art school, everybody draws. And I'm just like, oh boy, <laughs> I'm no longer special. I'm not even good. Like my, like I am below average when I went into art school it was painful to realize that that I'm not uh, special anymore you would think that humbled me but it didn't <laughs> um, I think that overconfidence definitely uh, was a double-edged sword in a sense that it got me through many years of you know just education and things like that but at the same time it was very bad for like personal development and uh, you know emotional intelligence. I, I would say I wasn't a very nice person back then. Um, that part came a, a little bit later when I started working. But but yeah, um, 
it, because I think I was very self-absorbed in a way that I was really just thinking about what any young piece person would think about at a time right like uh what am I going to do for a job like is my art good enough do you think I can work for this company that company um and at a time it was very focused on animation so I wasn't even thinking about video games um like it was kind of weird how I never I never connected animation to video games um obviously animations um, video games have animation but uh in my mind animation is very strictly film and tv thing right mm, so games aren't i was federation from it anyway yeah, yeah yeah definitely even though it was kind of weird because like we would have concept art class and things like that and it would be like the assignment would be like if you're making a video game you know what would the character look like and things like that right so it is it's kind of like a, a lot of our work is half and half like it's half film tv related and the other half is like you know if you were to get to get into video games and the other half <laughs> three halves wow I'm good at math the other half is like visual effects right so you learn how to do uh um I don't know particle systems and uh, stuff like that and obviously because it's art school we tried a little bit of everything um and I quickly learned that I was very bad at 3D modeling or any 3D uh program uh, including animation animation was impossible uh with 3D for me at least but I actually really enjoyed the 2D animation aspect of it, like old school 2D animation, like paper, paper on paper, like 24 frames per second, like drawing each frame, that kind of thing. Hmm. And and obviously uh, that to me, that just came a lot more natural to me because 3D programs is so technical because it's just trying to remember what box is checked or like, is this menu open or, you know, hmm. that kind of stuff. And it's two different kind of, it's two different ways of thinking about problem solving. I'm so much more intuitive, like go with your gut, uh, just draw what feels right, you know, eyeball it, that kind of thing. Whereas with 3D animation, it's very precise. You know, you've got your numbers, you've got your checkboxes, you've got this and that. And like, you have to troubleshoot your own issues with the program. So I hated all of that. Um, so eventually though, uh, Again, with uh, a thing that my, my parents struck another deal with me. <laughs> um, they weren't too happy with the fact that my uh, art school only offered a diploma. So it was a, a diploma in animation. Um, mm. And my mom's pretty old school in a sense that like you need a degree, obviously, you know, if you want a good job, you need a degree. They're, they're from that generation, right? Like a degree equals good job. Uh, mm. My mom's an architect, my dad is an engineer. Uh, off the bat they're very like book smart brilliant people right so obviously they also have that thinking and they just want the best for me hmm. um so this this conversation led to we're, you're gonna go to the uk to finish your degree you know hmm. um and then obviously i was in a relationship at the time uh i've, I've just learned how to drive um, you know a bit of a social life and i'm just like no i don't want to leave my friends i don't want to leave my boyfriend you know and my mom's like, well, it's only two years. Like, you can decide if you want to come home, if you want to. You know, it's only two years. Um, like and that I know that anything? <laughs> right? Two it's funny years? Because, mm-hmm, like, hmm, when was that? that was... <laughs> I moved to the UK, like, 11 years ago. Oh, gosh. So, uh, yeah. I don't want to say my mom lied, but she also kind of proved me proved a point with me so I was like gosh I hate it when my mom 
is right. <laughs> and she usually is. She always is. So mom one, Anissa zero. <laughs> um, but yeah, to kind of uh, talk for university is, uh, it's basically that. Um, I came to, to uni in Teesside, Middlesbrough, up north. Um, I was accepted into three different universities, actually. So I, accepted, I was accepted into Teesside, uh, Bournemouth, and Hertfordshire. And I think, depending on who you talk to, most people will be like, why don't you just go to Bournemouth or even Hertfordshire? You know, because like those are... Um, <laughs> These are the universities. Those are, yeah, those are like the trendy universities, I would call them. Uh, and I, I, I flat out went to Teesside because of two reasons. Uh, number one was because they had a, a festival called the Animex. They're still running it now, but at the time it was run by uh, this lecturer called uh, Gabby. Um, she, she, like, I think I was Googling Teesside and I saw a lot of students talk really, really, like, they said really nice things about her. Like to see students be so like amorous towards their their lecturer, and she's running this um, this festival that got um, that that was pulling in like really big names, you know, from both animation, film, and video games. It was like the best of both worlds. Uh, and as students, that I think I don't think we got it for free, but we it was heavily discounted. Um, and that was the biggest pull. Like I wanted to be there for that, mm. right? Um, and the second reason is because it was cheap. It was super cheap. Naturally. Um, yeah, because it was in the north, in Millsborough. Uh, like, the, the, the cost of living in Millsborough is stupid low. Like, it's good for us students, foreign students at least. Um, but, but, <laughs> but I, like, it's funny. And I'm laughing because I'm thinking about it now. Because uh, obviously I've lived through it. And I've lived, I, I've lived um, in different cities in the UK now so I have a better idea of like what the different parts of the UK is like um, obviously at 19 I, I didn't know there was a north-south divide in the UK I didn't know that was a thing didn't know what English people thought of Scottish people they didn't know about the Ireland about sometime we'll show you a proper north-south divide <laughs> I know right gosh I was I I, I knew nothing um but yeah, just learning all of that while I was there. Um, and I can, I remember my mom being a little bit like, are you sure you want to go to Millsborough? <laughs> it's like in the middle of nowhere. Are you, are you sure? And I was like, it's fine, mom. Also, and also, you know, the cheap thing. Like the cost of university um, was never a thing that my, my parents uh, would tell me to think about. Like I'm extremely privileged in a way that uh, my parents could fit the entire bill. So I never had to take any um, student loans. Mm. Um, and I, again, this is just purely ignorance um, from the time. But like, I didn't know that the normal route was to, to get uh, student loans and being, being able to pay off everything uh, when you're entering is, is not normal. <laughs> so... In a way, I was very, very lucky that my parents had a foresight to to have to start like a college university fund from since I was born. Um, so you know, by the time I was old enough to go to university, the fund is there. And but in the way, I was still a little bit like, you know what? If I'm if I could get a degree from somewhere cheaper, I would still do that. So decided on T side, went there, and uh, it it was good. 
like I wouldn't say it was amazing but I don't really have any other university <laughs> experience to compare it to but it did what it did it got me my degree um, and I met a lot of really interesting people there obviously some of them are my friends till this day um, one of my one of the most important people I've ever met was uh, my university boyfriend um, obviously we're not together now but you know he remains as a very important person in my life uh, and a lot of the stuff that happened in university opened up my eyes to again I came in there with the, the idea of like you know animation but video games has always been there like well yeah kind of like a like a friend um my eyes was always set on trying to get into animation um as a job uh my first job out of uni was with a with an animation company it was a startup it was very small it had like two people three i think yeah it was only three people and i was their very first external employee that they hired at a very discounted rate um and they had uh yeah it, it was it, it was really fun because they didn't know they were so young it was really funny because they were only like a few years older than me but i was young because i was fresh out of uni bright-eyed um bright-eyed bushy wanting my first job yeah and you know i just assumed that they knew what they were doing but think again thinking back on it now i don't think they did they they were just figuring things out as they went along um but you know me being the small petite asian girl in in a room of like three other english guys <laughs> it, like i learned a lot from them um and uh that kind of experience though um i i honestly don't remember what was the main reason i tried so hard hmm. um when i i what, what what i mean by trying so hard is that uh if you remember what my mom said, you know, just stay there for two years and then you can decide to come home or not. And I, I, I think I made a lot of new friends. Um, I saw the opportunity of career and jobs in the UK to, for at least film and TV. Mm. And I was desperate to stay. Mm. And I was already staying for an extra two years after graduation on a post-study work visa. So this this special visa, um, I think I was the last batch to to get it. Um, after my they abolished it because Theresa May was um, the minister at the time. She was in charge of that stuff. Home secretary, and yeah. Yes, yes, and that's where that's where my like pure un, like unblended like hatred for her started way back when. <laughs> I have so much to say about when she prime minister. Oh gosh, yeah, it was the, the, the dark. Anyway, days. yeah, anyway. I'm not going to start ranting about that no, for now. No, no, no. But like, Wait, let's talk games. Let's talk games and yeah. Know. Yes. Let's not so, talk about No, go on. Sorry. <laughs> and just kind of, um, yeah, I just really, really want to stay in the UK because I built a little bit of a network here. You know, I had friends. I had um, like a career that I, I could see myself doing for a long time. Um, and so that was the start of uh, my journey of looking for a visa. Gosh, and and I what I didn't realize is that this visa faff would last like a decade. It's only been I've only had my 
permanent residency for a year now. So up until a year ago, a year and a bit ago, I was just constantly, constantly worried about getting deported because of visa issues. Um, and I didn't realize just how much of a mental health burden that was um, until I received my permanent residency and, you know, my my being able to stay in the in the country is no longer tied to uh, a, a specific job to a specific company. Um, so yeah, I did. So those th those three guys, the small animation startup, they were small. They had no money. They barely had any funds. Mm. They to become a visa sponsor, they need to be earning an X amount of money. They need to have X amount of money in the bank. Da 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 da. You know all these things, and they didn't have any of that. So heavy heavy heart they said that they can't help me and I started applying like crazy everywhere just any any big company that I could see a website of I'll just apply straight into it so mind you this is where my transition from animation to video games began um, a lot of my portfolio was very much tailored to uh, 2D artists um, for film tv not so much concept art for games like I was nowhere near um, good enough uh, an artist to be a concept artist right so I I didn't really apply for those jobs but I did scour for 2D artist jobs and thinking about this 2D artist title now yeah you don't really see that title very often anymore these days like video games have matured or at least has progressed in the last decade of me being in it that we have dedicated uh, job titles now to, you know, UI artists, UX art, uh, UX designers, um, and more and and other things. Whereas previously, it was like three D artists, concept artists, two D artists. You know, like if you, if you're, yeah, actually, that's a lie. There are a lot of two D artists these days. Like pixel art is still a thing. So never mind me. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> I think it's because I don't look for those jobs anymore. Like, um, because, uh, so my first crack into uh, the video games industry was a 2D artist job. And uh, my jobs at the time definitely was a lot more like uh, a bigger range of interesting things um, and not just the UI. I didn't even do any UI design. Like all of the design was made by uh, our lead game designer. Um, my first job was making ports of uh, PS. PSP games into PS Vita mm. um, and also just regular like most other games that we port to the Vita um, bless the Vita <laughs> it, it wasn't really it wasn't as the hardware like it was decent like I liked it but unfortunately they like didn't pick up enough steam did it love the Vita I, I, I adore the Vita like there are so many good games I've heard I, like, like I know we're talking about we're going to talk about Persona 5 in a bit but like It'd be remiss of me if I didn't talk about the Vita and mention Persona 4 Golden because mm. it's so good. So, so good. Very good. <laughs> um, I played... Oh, so Persona 4. Um, obviously, I've heard of the Persona series before, before getting into the games industry, but I never really played Persona until my university boyfriend introduced me to it. So, um, obviously, we we would live in different parts of campus, um, mm. but I would just be over at his place on his PlayStation 2 to play Persona 4. Like mm. I would be there like for hours and hours on end, um, up to the, even up to the point where 
you get the the series of questions and that you need to get right to get, mm. to unlock the secret boss. Um, and he was there, and he was so excited. He was just like, he was like, do you do you want to try and attempt this? Because you only have one trial. Like if you if you get it wrong, like you're not gonna. And I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna risk it. Just tell me the answers. Like I I want to get to that final. <laughs> um, so he was kind of there, like just watching me play from start to finish, including the. The, the secret boss and this is I think this is one of the moments where you know you just sit there and think wow video games was um, wow video games so, are actually good yeah so I remember this vividly uh, we were in his uh, dorm uh, he shared it with like three other guys and we were in the, in the kitchen the PS2 was uh, was connected to the TV on the wall uh, and I was on their like dingy little couch next to the kitchen. People were in and out getting food. It was noisy, and I remember. And I think, I think I beat the the secret boss in like one go. So I didn't have to. Did I? I I might have at least died once, probably. But I remember just trying again, straight up. And it took so long. It, like the 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 final battle took so so long, and I remember my hat, my palms were sweating. And every time the, the the controller vibrated, I could just feel it go all the way up to my arms. This I think this this was just because I've been playing for too long at that point, and I just refused to stop because I was so close to finishing. I was like, no, 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 just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And then just that scene where like um, all of your maxed out links, social links, um, they come up and they give you they give you like you know like cheering you on. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> the power of friendship. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So, yeah so i think persona 4 um that i played in university stuck to me so much that during like the the next few years the the small little crumbs of like hints of like the next persona 5 coming up was just invigorating was just like i was like yes just give, like i remember the very first teaser poster they sent out was a, it was red and it had chairs, and chairs had like this prisoner motif on them. And I was like, oh my God. You are so a prisoner. Good. What emancipation. <laughs> I remember that. Because <laughs> yes, there, yes. there was this big, massive Persona stream. And okay, you know what? At this point, let's, let's talk of um, Persona 5 at this point because we've gone so yeah. long. Anyway. Um, Persona 5. Let's talk of, you know, that's coming off the back of that of Persona 4 and, you know, that that trailer, because I remember that trailer so well, because it came part of this big, massive Japanese Persona stream where they were showing off for the first time, I think, Persona Q, the 3DS game with the Persona 3 and Persona yep. 4 cast, Persona yep. 4 Arena 2, and the thing I remember most is the voice actor um for teddy the japanese voice actress for teddy yeah just basically torturing people basically by by just i, I don't know what she was talking about at the time but i was just like yeah 
I see you. And she went on at night for something like 10, 15 minutes. It's just like, yeah, but like, I hear you, but like, can we get to the good stuff now? What about the trailers? What about Persona 5? And then I remember Teddy, this sort of, sort of midnight channel, just sort of transitions from this red background. And then you see this sort of countdown timer of like five, 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 55 seconds and stuff like that there. And you knew immediately, just like my eyes were just like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. This is it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is it. And Teddy yeah. just disappears. And then the, that trailer just comes up. You are slave. One emancipation. And I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I think that's like, we, we didn't even know what the, like, what the theme was other than like prisoner slave like what does that even mean what like what 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 is it Ugh. yeah it was it was very it was really really good um although i feel like in comparison to most other persona 5 fans or at least persona in general series fans hmm. like i was a lot more patient like i really didn't mind um the constant delays and hmm. stuff because like this was um, like, this was a game that was meant to come out. The first trailer said winter 2014 for PS3. And like, okay, that could have been two months from the time it was revealed. Obviously, yep. you know, realistically it would have been the following winter. It didn't arrive until something like three and a half years later or something. <laughs> this is like 2017, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was 2017. Yeah. Like it was the most longest wait. The longest wait, just like it was, it felt relentless for me. Anyways, the game I was most excited for in all my time playing games, it just felt, it just felt like, um, like I said, it was the wait just never felt like. How can I sort of say it? the wait was never ending? Basically, like you just felt like, please let me just play this game now. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think I honestly I think that's the thing. Like my sense of time has really warped now. Um like pandemic aside, I really don't have a good sense of timing. Uh and I remember thinking yeah, it kind of sucks that this is being delayed or it's not out again, mm. you know, every year is just not out. But mm. when it did come out, when it did, I didn't I was definitely not a day one buyer. Like I didn't, I didn't. So I, I didn't play Persona Five. Gosh, yeah. I did not play Persona Five. I didn't buy um, my very first uh, Persona Five that I bought was Persona Five Royal, mm. uh, which I bought last year in 2020. So I waited an extra three years for Persona Persona Five Royal, and I didn't even know what Royal was. So patience of a saint. Uh, I got lucky. You have, the, you have the patience of a saint, basically. I yeah. Would say. I think I got really lucky. It, um, as a, okay, number one, as a Persona fan, just in general, I got lucky because Persona 5 Royal is the definitive version of that game. Like, it is amazing. And I, like, there's a few bits and bobs that obviously, you know, no game's perfect. Like, there's a few bits I was like, meh. But, like, Okumura's you know, mansion. That's the worst. Just no matter how you look at it. But like, because I was really good, I wouldn't say like um, like I avoided most spoilers. Mm. So I didn't know anything about the whole Akechi thing 
or any of the like big reveals. Um, so mm. I had the most very unique and uh, really lucky experience where I got to experience Persona 5 Royal um, as I would say, I would, I would say definitely as the developers intended the game to be from the, from the start. Mm. Um, and because of that, it is my favorite game. And <laughs> it's okay. So when you asked me to do this, right? Uh, I know for a fact that people expected me to say Persona 5, but I feel like I need to say why because a lot of people who did play it are just like, eh, you know, yeah, it was okay, but not like top tier all time favorite, right? So why do I think it's like my favorite game? Like, okay, so. To call back on my childhood, I barely could finish any video game a- a- anyway. Like, like I can't, I-, I can never be sure if any of my discs will work, right? Number one. Hmm. And number two, I am a coward. Um, <laughs> and I realized this. <laughs> Sorry, <no. laughs> I am a massive coward. And what I mean is, uh, Final Fantasy VII did work all the discs work i got up until disc three and all i had to do was just get on disc four just to get through you know the the, the whole like meteor crater bit and get through Sephiroth. i chickened the fuck out like i i intentionally did not put in disc four because i thought like oh god i can't i can't do it i'm not i'm not good enough of a gamer to finish this game so i never i never finished final fantasy 7 because i was too scared and that continued <laughs> years later when i was back in university i had a ps3 with me in my in my room i downloaded final fantasy 9 again because i was just like no i'm gonna finish this game final fantasy 9 i also chickened out <laughs> just around like the final battle because i was too scared to finish it and it happened again with final fantasy 10 um final fantasy 13 2 so now you're gonna be thinking like Gosh, did you finish anything? Did you well, finish anything? <laughs> well, Final Fantasy 13 was the very first Final Fantasy that I finished from start to uh, from start to end. Oh, I'm so sorry. Persona 4 was the second game that I finished from start to end. So Persona 5 Royal <laughs> in my extremely short list of games that I managed to finish to complete 100%. Persona 5 Royal is one of those games that I managed to finish from start to finish. And this is why I can always, always like full, like with complete confidence in mind, I can say it out loud, strong in my chest, that Persona 5 was a fucking amazing game because it got me hooked for that many hours and it got me feeling things and I it got me excited about my job, my job as a UI designer. Like who, there's no other fucking game that has so much style emphasis on the UI as Persona 5. Like, I, would agree with that. I would agree with that, definitely. Because like yeah. that that game oozes so much style. It oozes so much confidence in itself in that style. It's just... Mm, I have heavy Bro. criticisms of Persona 5, but its style is not one of the them. The UI is not one of them. No, definitely, definitely not. not. Like, okay, like Persona 3, yeah? Um, their entire theme is blue. Persona 4, the entire theme is yellow. And blue and yellow, as like just as a color, 
they're very, very easy to incorporate in UI. Because blue, flat out easy. Everywhere is like a really nice, neutral, easy on the eyes color. Yellow can be a little bit bright, but you know, like Persona 4 pulled it off. It was a very, like, interestingly sunny and like the more bright and cheerful of all three of the games, right? Hmm. I say all three, if there's like five of them. We don't, talk, we don't count the first two. <laughs> um, Persona 5, their theme's red. And you're like, okay, red off the fucking bat is a negative color. Like, no matter what game you're playing, red is a really bad color. Like, it shows, like, you know, yeah, like, low health. It shows that something bad, like, warning, you know, all of these negative connotations. To use that as your main, main theme color for the entire thing. Like, yeah, I'm going to make it red and black. It's like, what the fuck? Are you, are you kidding me? But they pulled it off. They fucking pulled it off. Um, I spent, I'm not even kidding, like, I did spend many hours just like going in and out of all the menus and just clicking through it, just going, looking at the animation, looking how, like, I was trying to reverse engineer it in my head as I was playing it, like, how did they build this? Like, hmm, what shader did it use? Oh, what did they use there? And you know, like, I could not just rest, like, that game is exciting on a story level, gameplay, style, looks of it, and it made me feel like it made me feel inadequate as a UI designer, like in a good way. <laughs> it made me want to be better, and that was a year ago. <laughs> to anyone that's keeping track of my, like the timeline of Anita's life, a, a year ago I was thirty years old. To be that inspired to do something amazing in in my career as a person in video games at 30 years old, I would say is is is, is astounding because I'm not I'm not so much a hashtag gamer. Uh, like I don't play a lot of games. I can't play shooter games. Um, I can't play anything with guns in it. Not that I don't like guns. I, I'm just really bad at aiming. Um, mm. And I hate multiplayer. Like I do not play any games with multiplayer in it because to me, video games is a very uh, it's a very personal time in a sense that like I like being by myself. Um, mm. Like to me, it's it's where I get lost in the story, which is why all the games that I uh, I am attracted to are JRPGs, right? So Persona mm. Five is one of them. Mm. Um, and if you talk to a lot of people, they tend to talk about games that you know uh, touched them or affected them in in early in, a, in their childhood, right? Mm. So I have Final Fantasy Seven and Kingdom Hearts, uh, but to have that kind of impact, like Kingdom Hearts 2 level impact as a child, again, as a 30-year-old Persona 5. That is why Persona 5, to me, is my favorite game. You mentioned how you had that sort of... You mentioned how, like, how personally as well, like you had that sort of solo time as well, and especially getting the feels and all that there. Um, Persona 5, its story, its characters, it's... It's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's groundbreaking in a way, but like it's, it's very, at least for the first, you know, 75, 50 to 60 hours of it that I played of it, it was really compelling. The characters were intri- like really compelling. Like, uh, like, talk to me how you find that in a way, like, because like, it's interesting that you sort of mentioned how, you know, going through that game you sort of like mentioned sort of how you sort of clicked with it so i think um 
So obviously, since finishing Persona 5, uh, a thing that I like to do, uh, this goes with all pieces of media, is that I like to look them up, mm. um, read through their Wikipedia page, um, just read about them, about their, like how they were made. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, one of the things I love doing is looking up video essays on YouTube, right? See what people think. Um, there's a difference between like game reviews and dissection of mm. the piece of media, right? And I love one of my most favorite things. Um, one of my favorite video uh, on Persona 5 on YouTube is actually, I think it was a four hour long video about why Persona 5 was bad. <laughs> and I loved it because, yeah, it was, I loved it because uh, the dude who was talking to it, like he was very thorough. Like he pointed out every single thing that he disliked about it. And it, it ranged from nitpicky to actual proper uh, critique, right? Nitpicky stuff, didn't give a shit. I was like, well, you had a problem with that. I didn't. Um, a lot of this were like, how deep were, were the conversations? Uh, like how interesting were the, the, the social links are, you know? There's some stronger characters, some are not. And I'm just like, I well, I didn't really care that much. You know, I thought they were fine um, as characters, all the side characters, not just the main characters. Um, and there was a few other things where he, the, the guy critiqued about like level design, how all of the dungeons the, in the second half of the game felt really like uh, repetitive and like uh, samey and not as interesting as like the first one. Like, and that got me thinking like, actually, yeah. Like I think I did remember struggling with the last few dungeons because I couldn't really figure out the layout as as well as I could the first time, you know, like um, it did get a little bit samey towards the end. Uh, and now that I've worked in video games, I kind of thinking like, you know what? It just this is just regular video games development. Like they they've been in development for many years, right? They've been delayed for so long. It comes to a point where I feel like, yeah, they really did polish the first few dungeons like as well as they could because that was the first few things that they they, they started with. And then trying to finish up the rest of the game, um, they kind of just said, like, I wouldn't say it's like a, you know, just put everything in and just ship it. But it's a little bit of that. We're just like, all right, we don't have the luxury of delaying this another few years. Like, we just got to get this done, you know? Mm. And that, to me, late game Persona 5 definitely felt like that. However, this is where I think Persona 5 Royal is amazing because... Um, again, I never played the first one, so I'm a little bit blurry on like the actual differences. But I did watch a few YouTube videos where they did um, point out all the things that I thought was in the first one. So those things were really great. Um, and the extra content that they added, like the extra dungeons and the extra character, the the, the extra final boss, that was great. Like I wouldn't say like <laughs> it's the most amazing thing ever, but it just flowed really well because they were those extra characters were introduced quite early in the story. Um, I think uh, the the school counselor and <laughs> your, your your canon girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, and I really enjoyed how they were incorporated into into the story because you still had to do your main story, um, and the way that they've handled it is like the girls literally just like hey, do you want to join our party? And she's like, nah, I kind of want to work on myself. Like, you guys have fun. <laughs> and I was like, huh. Didn't think, like, you know, 
you could just say no to a to a vigilante group of teenagers and be like, uh, I see what you're doing, but I'm not interested. I'm just like, yes, it's the energy that I want. Like you're just you're too cool <laughs> for the main team. Um, just just out of curiosity as well, like, um, who did you date in the game? Because a lot of people went for Anne anyway, like in the original Persona anyway. Like, I think from what I remember, definitely for me anyway. Uh, I really liked Anne for sure. Um, mm. as a character well, uh, well I, I have some of my critiques on her but you know nothing nothing new like we've already same old thing um but I think I dated um Makoto like I think she was best girl wait did I no I didn't I dated um uh, I dated a new girl I dated a new girl. Um, gosh, this is I. I don't want to sound like I'm making up that Persona Five is my favorite game, but I'm forgetting everyone's names now. Uh, wait. To be fair, I'm the same. <laughs> I literally have Wikipedia of all the characters on my phone right now. Kasumi, there you go. So the new girl is Kasumi. Um, I dated her because uh, I actually genuinely liked the character. Um. She was, you know, she called me senpai and stuff. And I'm just like, yes, please do. Please continue calling, calling me senpai. <laughs> so I, th- I think, okay, so this, this is why I'm thinking Makoto. Because, like, if if she wasn't an option, I definitely would have gone for Makoto. Because she's best girl. Like, she's the most, she's the, she, she carried that team. Like, story-wise, like, everyone was fucking useless. Like, she was basically doing everything for everybody. Um and there was a lot of, there's definitely a lot of themes that I would love to criticize in Persona 5 uh, because, you know, there's a lot of problematic things like your teacher dating you, oh, <laughs> that kind God, of stuff. Yes. When literally the very first dungeon was the fact that your teacher is abusing your friend. And, you know, why is it bad when a guy does it, but it's okay when a girl does it? It's like, yeah. no, Japan. No, bad Japan. Go to your room. Yeah, yeah. But that like, oh, just the whole, the whole like that. It's so annoying how the teacher route is. You know, she's in this stupid maid costume the first time that you, that you start your link with her, and uh, she gives you massages, and I'm just like, oh, that's really, that's really fucking weird. Atlas number one and number two. How dare you put like the most useful thing in the most awkward interaction because the massages let you like basically give you more energy to do more things and i'm just like this is useful gameplay wise but i really don't want to call my teacher for a massage yeah no that was just like now that you're mentioning i'm just remembering going through that in the original p5 just like oh god no 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 and especially considering like you say like early on in the game you have one of the teachers at the school sort of blackmailing and bullying like one of one of your friends, friends basically your friend's best best friend basically to the point where something happens, let's say. Not I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to hide spoilers here. It's, I'm hiding what I'm saying here. I'm trying to be careful what I'm saying for very specific yeah, yeah. reasons. It's yeah. yeah, Atlas does tend to have a very problematic nature and it's and Without straying too far away from it, it's not just Persona as well. Um, Catherine especially got that as well. Mm. But like, 
that can be a discussion for another day for Catherine, basically. But like, yeah. So, yeah. I think so. When I whenever I say Persona Five is my favorite game, like people think that I like it hundred percent. It's that's not true. Definitely not. In a sense that, like, you can like something. Something can mean a lot. Uh, you know, mean something to you. Yeah. But you can also still criticize it, right? You can still yeah. see it for what it is. Yeah. And I'm not telling people like, "Hey, Persona Five Royal is great." You know, I'm I am saying that, <laughs> but I'm also saying like, but there's a few things and that's a little bit iffy. Uh, you know, like still criticize them, but you can still enjoy a huge amount of the game because they've polished the fuck out of like the the battle system, the battle system, and they've really uh. The the underground, the underground levels. What's it called? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like a lot of like gameplay stuff because it's the you know it's the it's the fifth Persona game, but it's not really. They've like had so many games um, since the first Persona. Um, they've really like pat down the battle system and the the UX of going through personas and building your team like building your your persona deck uh it's it's so slick it's so easy and i i've spent hours it literally in 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 that blue room just uh just try just trying to make like the most strongest personas trying to get like a really good build you know and like mm. um when i think about this like a lot of my taste is in that like i use myself in building a strong team um so like I was thinking about this. Like, what what other games do I like that I've actually finished uh, aside from Persona? I've um I I finished like both Bravely Default games, and that is supposed to be like a uh, a Final Fantasy type game that is uh you know made by the the original creators that is supposed to feel like Final Fantasy. And I that had a great job system. And just literally recently, I was talking about Octopath Traveler, which to me had a bit of a it had weak storylines, but the gameplay was great. Like I loved the job system and I love battling in that. So just like Persona 5, like battles is fun. Like I'm actually looking forward to, you know, attacking the next uh the next uh dungeon. But also I was think I was really thinking about like why why is Persona so good at keeping its pace? Um, I know people disagree with me because um, some people thought it was uh, you know, like after a while. It gets the same because it's the same formula of like new dungeon and then you go through it and then you go through your school life and then dungeon school life dungeon school life but for me like i loved every part of that i love i loved one shotting all my dungeons in one sitting and i loved like the scheduling part of like trying to fit in um like when you're going to talk to someone when you're going to do your schoolwork, when you're going to do you know da, 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 all of that to me that was mm. exciting like I'm just like yes. I think part of it is that it because I played it <laughs> during uh, when COVID just started. It it was really giving me this like socializing aspect that I was missing at the time, like the the after school thing. Um, I loved I love 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 doing all of the school stuff and meet, meeting with your friends and um, planning your next uh, you know like planning how to level up and, and things like that. Mm. And Persona as a game, like uh, as design-wise, I think they've really they've really hit a really good balance between like dungeon crawling and um, 
life sim, student sim <laughs> on both ends. And I'm getting like best of both worlds in this one game. Mm. Um, we mentioned that sort of style element of Persona 5 earlier, and we can, we'll can we touch back on that again in a second. But like another big aspect of why Persona 5 is, you know, so stylish, so rich ridiculously stylish like is not just in terms of its themes but primarily as well its audio specifically the soundtrack holy fuck does that soundtrack fucking slap that shit legitimately is brilliant (laughs) shoji nigero is a master that is an incredible soundtrack oh my goodness like yeah like no cap one of the best soundtracks of all time and i know i know i'm biased obviously my favorite game but even if you don't play it like it's such a good soundtrack uh i've 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 gone through so many playlists on youtube where uh it's like you know all this like study with me kind of thing you know yeah like um chill chill beats to study to yeah like persona 5 versions of those just on loop just like it's so jazzy so cool so like it gets you like the, the the more jazzy chilled out like coffee shop style it's it's so good to to like do work to and then you get into like the battle themes and you're just like you're so pumped up you know i'm just like yeah, yeah i'm gonna run like going out on a run this is the soundtrack i want on and oh my goodness um the games awards last year uh they the the band they did like a, a live rendition of of one, the Persona 5 songs and it was like I got goosebumps I shouted fuck oh my god oh my god like it's so good like they they performed the shit out of that song it was so so good and yeah like <laughs> I'm gonna put on the Persona 5 soundtrack when I'm done with this later <laughs> just to bask in it a little bit more um and I think I was gonna say as well, like like that, and it's like in terms of the, the sort of school life, social life aspects of that game, like and and the other game as well, like like you mentioned with the colors, with Persona Three being blue, Persona Four being yellow, Persona Five being red. That sort of applies to the soundtrack as well, because like from what I remember from Persona Three, although not as heavily as persona 5 or even persona 4 i remember that being sort of electronic-esque and maybe rockish (laughs) rockish as well whereas persona 4 sort of poppy and upbeat and stuff like that there whereas persona 5 like you say it is very jazz-esque like there's different themes running throughout so yeah persona 3 was a lot of very hip-hoppy i would say because like yeah (laughs) hip-hop yeah 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 so I think each each oh, I think this is what this is the reason the person the persona series um has a following at all is because of music like the thing that sets persona 3 apart from persona 1 and 2 is just off the bat style like graphical style and musical style like it is so fucking iconic that you start you start a random battle in Tartarus in Persona 3 and he goes baby 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 and just like yeah let's go you know oh and yeah they, ba, 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 yeah. Ba, ba. baby baby na 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 so good and like 
and Tartarus is such a fucking pain in the butt because it's a never ending tower. It just keeps going up and up and up. And like, what keeps it going? The soundtrack. <laughs> and yeah, they just did like they knocked it out of the park with Persona Four, obviously, and again with Persona Five. Like they knew, like they knew that the only the the places to cut corners is not the music. Like they have to get that right. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that was the the first thing that they they started concepting on. It's just getting like all of this the soundscapes of Persona Five correct because like you could literally just put any any song in shuffle. And I would just listen to it. I close my eyes, and I, I just know where exactly I am in in the world. Like, am I at the cafe? Am I at school? Yeah, it's just like if if the music kickstarts that like that image in your head, like that's how how impactful that was. Yeah, I mean, like going back as well to that sort of style of the game uh, that we sort of alluded to there, just now with the soundtrack, and even going back with the some of the art design as well. Like it's. I feel like that's another aspect that Persona just gets right, especially as of Persona 3 onwards, but especially, you know, Persona 5 anyway. It just nails that sense of style in, if not all the places, then definitely most of it anyway. And it's just, and you have to have an utmost level of balls, basically to be able to pull off that sort of style throughout, you know, a game like Persona 5. Like, how do you think Atlas is able to do something like that across many facets, like, you know, music, across art design, across basically those sorts of things? Because, like, there's very few games that I think do style perfectly or near perfectly. In fact, there's two games that I would say do that for me. And that's Sayonara Wild Hearts and Persona mm, 5. Mm, definitely. So um, I think the art director for 3, 4, and 5 is the same person. Um, people are... Yep. Yeah, people are free to correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure it is the vision of... That's it. It's a very strong vision. Like You need a very clear vision of what you want it to be. And it shows. I'm not saying, I'm not attributing the entirety of three different games across hundreds of employees to just like the one art director. Definitely not. No, it, no, is, no. It, it is a collaboration of like hundreds of artists, like flat out, yes. But it ha- is this concise, strong, like super strong direction. That's what I mean. Like it's a vision that everybody knows, everybody agrees on, and, uh, you know, a direction that. It, it to me it's so clear like you can see something you're like is that persona yes no and it's like yep this is a persona thing it looks like it it feels like it let's go with this if, it, if it's not then it's like mm. so even like oh this is why i love art books because art books sometimes show variations of like uh artwork that they don't use or they don't pursue but even then even then you look at it you be like yeah i can see this existing in that universe like it is a thing you know um so even if it's like unapproved or whatever work, it it still has this that same essence of what Persona is. Mm. And in, in games development, right? Like we have this thing called core pillars. 
Um, and core pillars are literally just that, like they're a concept or that usually you can distill down to like a single word. Um, and I think Persona 5 definitely had, I don't know what they are. <laughs> like I could, I, as in, you know, I, I wouldn't know what the exact like Japanese words they use because uh, obviously the Japanese have different ways of thinking about concepts as Westerners do, you know, um, based on language. That's just how language works. So I would say like, if style, like to me, I was like, style is one of them, you know, and the the, the rebelliousness. Um, I don't even know if that's the correct word, but that's what, what that's what how you feel from the start till the end of the Persona game. Like, okay, so the re- rebellion theme, right? Like mm. story-wise, uh, they're a group of teenagers and a lot of like the main antagonists of the game are adults. Like they're really fucking shitty adults. Like, like yeah. even I'm just like, why, why are grown-ups so shit in this world, right? Um, so is the teenagers like, to, they are, they're in the system and they feel trapped and they feel like the only way that they could retaliate is through in this, in this, you know, in this other world where they are phantom thieves with powers and you know the ability to do x y and z um so that's their form of rebelling but also seeing the real world uh like effects of their actions right like they're basically like vigilante do-gooders well i this this is one of the things that i quite like they there was a point in 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 the middle of the persona 5 game where somebody dies and they they thought it was them, like, you know, they they didn't mean for that person to die. And that was like a huge turning point as a group where the teenagers, these like, that's when I felt like, wow, they really are just kids who don't know what they're doing, right? And they're, they're just like, hey, it's been fun up until this point, like, oh God, something happened, you know? Mm. And um, just that kind of re- rebelliousness, like going, like breaking the rules, like you see that in the design as well, in the sense that like, I'm going to touch on the UI design. Like the UI design is basically broken rules. Like all of it is just, I'm not, it's not broken pieces of UI. But no, no, no. The, the most basic tenets of UI is that everything's on a grid, right? Like it's, um, you want things to be on a grid. Everything's aligned where it should be. Like you want hierarchy to be, uh, to, to, to see things clearly. Uh, you want to make sure things, uh, you know, like don't get lost. Like the whole point of UI is that you don't think about it, that you just use it, right? But with Persona 5, they're like, no, fuck these rules. I'm just going to make the lines go everywhere. What is a straight line? Everything's fucking diagonal. And like, hey, let's just use like insane colors that no one would ever use anywhere else like bright red lime neon green and like and it works it fucking works because because it's so like on brand like it's so on theme right like the um even the the font that they use was uh this like cut out magazine pieces uh of like letters that looks like ransom notes right um and they obviously have those uh calling cards that, that they leave behind as phantom thieves and you, you see that like just throughout all of their uh marketing you know like in the mm. game in world um even in uh in irl like in their marketing in their like press releases and things like that it's like they're just so spot on like we are phantom thieves like we look like the like this is how we work and you know we're breaking the rules like we're running away from the cops and like you know fuck the adults and that's like it's so like Persona Five is a group of like insanely cool teenagers that I think every actual teenagers wish they were. <laughs> mm. 
I wish I was cool like that. Like, uh, again, me as a teenager, complete fucking dork, useless. Uh, you know, I, I can only wish to have like a cool group of friends like Persona 5 and also like, and also the costumes, like they all look amazingly good. And I have a problem with media that portrays teenagers older than they are. <laughs> And I think Persona, like a lot of like anime just does this anyway. And just like, thinking like, what teenager looks like that? Mm. I didn't look like that. But then you go to Instagram and you see like teenagers these days actually do look like that. And like, okay, I was, I was just really bad at fashion. Different generations. Yep. That's all you can sort of describe it as. Um, you mentioned the sort of UI there. And we did discuss a little bit there earlier. But like, I want to sort of get back to it. Um, because... Persona 5 and its UI, like for me, what makes a great UI is either how clean it is or how it, if, if, it, if it has to be, you know, filled with stuff, then make it unique and stylish. Like for me, like one example of that sort of clean aspect of it is Naughty Dog's games from The Last of Us 1 onwards through to through Uncharted 4, Uncharted The Lost Legs, and now Last of Us Part 2. And a lot of that, uh, well, a lot of the work at the time anyway came from Alex Neonaki, who was on the show before, um, talking about Bloodborne. She's actually now left Naughty Dog. Um, but um, that was one of the, like, I, I remember just sort of talking for her about that sort of clean as cleanish aspects of the UI of The Last of Us and being a big part of why that is my own favorite game. But in Persona 5, like, there's a lot hitting you on the screen as well in terms of, you know, your party, your commands, and the bars and stuff. But it also works, too, because it is, again, stylish. And, you know, it, it comes down to those sort of aspects that you were talking about a minute or two ago. Um, what is it about that UI that just makes it work? in the way it does, especially as someone who does UI? Okay, so that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that, actually, because uh, I've recently played The Last of Us 2, and so uh, The Last of Us 2's UI is fresh in my memory, and I agree, it's slick, it's it's really, uh, it's quite minimalist, but not so minimalist that it's boring. So there's a difference between like minimalist and just plain like, nothing to it, right? Mm. So TLO2, definitely, that's the first time I said that loud. TLO2, The Last of Us 2. <laughs> um, really, really, uh, it's, it's really slick to use. I, I love the UI. Um, I've never played the first game, um, and I've only played a little bit of Uncharted. But as a whole, like, I think with uh, Naughty Dog games, well, it's not even just them. Just like these really big AAA games, um, mostly coming from the West. Like UI is a thing that sometimes they don't want to showcase. As in, there's so many times that I've played AAA games where they just say like, yeah, we want it to be the less UI, the better. You know, like that was their core pillar is that they want immersion, right? Like so that's the main thing. So they want you to be immersed in the story, uh, in the 
uh, environment in the characters in like what's happening. So you don't want to be looking at all these boxes and stuff. You don't want to be playing the UI. As yeah. um, I'm using air quotes here, playing the UI, um, and that's completely fair. Uh, so uh, Senua's Sacrifice, um, that that game sweeped the BAFTAs when it came out, and he had barely any UI. And I spoke to Tamim like in person. I asked him like, "What are you gonna do with the UI?" Like, and he just flat out like, "I don't want any UI." Like, I just want you to play the game. Like, don't even think about the UI. So, like, any other, like, a lot of, like, uh, usual um, I- indicators that you'd have, like, a, like health bars or whatever, they, they do it environmentally, you know? They do it um, through, like, sound or shapes or anything in the environment or, or like, the camera shakes or uh, effects. Mm. Now, that is completely fine. But what I love about Persona... Um, and not just five, like three, four, and five, is that they treat UI as a whole character with attitude, with a personality. Like, no joke, Persona 5 UI has a personality. Like, oh, it's, it, does. it could be personified, right? So easily. And that is with intention. Like, just like how with a lot of, like, say, The Last of Us 2, like, their UI is sim- simple and mi- uh, minimalistic but slick, you know, really good UX there. But it's also the thing that takes you away from this almost film-like experience of watching um, things play out and experiencing the game, right? Mm. Like, it's only there for utility reasons. Like, it's only there so that you can shoot people and pick up stuff, da-da-da-da-da. But with Persona 5, it's pushed to the forefront. Like, straight up, um, as almost like another character that you're dealing with all the time. Like it is loud, it is in your face, it is announcing its existence um, every time you start like a, a new battle or even just pausing it to like reconfigure whatever it is. Like it's there and it doesn't hide itself, you know? Like mm. it's the complete opposite of hiding it. Like most people like, yeah, in, like let's have less UI. Like they're like, no, look at me, look at me, you know? That is how Persona 5 um, kind of approaches it. And I think not a lot of companies do that um, because the philosophy around UI is usually in a supporting role. Like it's only there to support the gameplay, right? Like you you buy a game to play the game, not the fucking UI. Yeah. And that's completely fair. But with Persona 5, you can't play the game without using the, like without playing the UI, you know? Um, this, this is also something that I've realized after working on a few mobile titles, like most mobile games is literally the UI. Like you are playing the UI like 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. So in mobile titles, like my UI work is always way, way more than like other games are, ironically. Um, whereas uh, with JRPGs, like you kind of live in the menus because it's there's so much like planning and setup for your team, um, you know, like building like your strong persona sets and things like that. Like, again, you literally live in that UI and you just, you want to make your time there like nice. <laughs> you want to enjoy. You are the main song as well. Yeah, because like a lot of people design UI so that you don't notice it. And and I, I do that. Like I, I'm making a UI so that you don't look at it. Like so that you're just concentrating on the video game. But with, with a lot of JRPGs, Persona, the Persona series particularly, like I have not seen any other game that 
pushes their UI to the forefront like it does. Um, I'm sure there's other games that does it uh, that that has amazing UI, like uh, but not many sticks in <laughs> like in just the general psyche of gamers everywhere to the point where you have people cosplaying the UI and people who don't play the game can recognize the game through the UI. That's just how iconic Persona 5 is. So, and I think that there's a, there's a hint of jealousy in, in the way I say about it because I, I, don't think, I don't think I'll ever be in that position. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be lucky enough to work on a project where that is a core pillar, you know, to, to have the UI style be as strong as character design as environment design you know because those are always your main actors right the characters the environment the gameplay the like the the level design and ui has always been a supporting character whereas in persona 5 it's it's a main billing just like everybody else that's an interesting way to put it as well like and, and like because again it does sort of tie in with that style aspect of the game like it is very like, <laughs> like you say, it means something when you say that at the age of 30, this, that sort of UI, that sort of style, it inspires you to the point at so, I don't want to say so, so late in your life because that's a bit unfair, but like at this point in your life, yeah, that UI has given you purpose in terms of, and it is just one UI, admittedly, but it is a UI. It's a user interface that also provide that provides sort of inspiration to go, oh my god, that is amazing. I need to sort of do something with that now that it has inspired me. You know, at this point in my life, basically, at this point in my career, even. Yeah, it's kind of like, um. I don't know how other UI people feel. Like I'm definitely can't speak about everybody. Everybody no. experience, but with mine, I've always felt like I need to. I need to, you know, act like a secondary character. You know, a supporting character. Like even even when people do trailers for, for games, they always always take the UI out. Right. Like that's yes. the first thing that, that happens. And I've I've come to the point where I'm just like. Yeah, you know, like I expect it. I expect for my UI to be taken out whenever um, a trailer is being made. Um, so to me, like to see to see that to be not the case with Persona Five, it feels like wow, like I can be the main character. Um, <laughs> obviously, not not everyone can be Persona Five. Uh, you know, obviously, like as a UI designer, like you don't have that power anyway. Um, but it's just, it's inspiring to see people at their best do amazing things, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah, just like you, how, you know, any artisan can appreciate a finely made, I don't know, a carpenter can, can appreciate a really good wardrobe or something. Hmm. A painter can appreciate a really good painting. Uh, I, I, I look at, <laughs> I look at buttons, <laughs> I look at screens, and I just think, wow, like, you this is this is creative like it's not it's not just purposeful 
like it serves a purpose like there's no ui made for the sake of it right like these are things that you need like the main menu um your just weapons and equipments and characters everything it's there but also it, it it's also like 150 200% more you know like it, it's also very gorgeous it's slick and i feel like i'm repeating myself <laughs> but it's true it's one of those things where like it's it's not just like well okay it works you know job done it's more like okay no like here's here's how it's going to work but how can we push it it, it I can kind of see it, you know, like I can see just how many iterations they, they've done. Like, how can they push this just a little bit more? Like, what if what if you added just like one more effect? What, what if you added one more layer of illustration? What if you added like uh, an ambient like animation in there? What if you did this? What if you did that? And it looks like they just kept adding on top of it and more and more and more and more. And it's just like pfft, amazing. Mm. No, definitely. Um... Remember that fight we mentioned at the start? Oh yeah. It's time. Go on then. It's time. It's time. Tell me. It's time. It's time. I like I for the benefit of those who can't see because like we have Zoom on here, but like you can't see this, but like my copy of Persona 5 steel book came with a limited edition. This is a bin. <gasps> Holy shit. Let me explain why. Go on. Let me explain why. As I said, I loved Persona 5. Love, love, love them. It was my most anticipated game of all time. More than Final Fantasy 13, and that I can go on. <laughs> A story on itself for another day. More than The Last of Us won. And that justified the anticipation because it became my favorite game. And more than Death Stranding uh, because it was a brand new Kojima IP. And while there are faults with Death Stranding to the point where I wouldn't consider it in my own favorite games list, I would say it is actually in my game of the generation list for last generation. So there are four games that I would say I've been really, really stupidly excited for. Final Fantasy XIV, Last of Us 1, Death Stranding, and the most anticipated game of all time for me, Persona 5. Now, like I said, I loved so much of Persona 5. I was waiting by my door all day, waiting for the package to arrive. I think it came actually a day early before release uh, from Amazon of all places. Um, but then again, they got me GTA 5 a few days early anyway. Um, I digress. I remember just sort of tearing apart, going like, ah, Persona 5's here, Persona 5's here, oh my god, okay. And then, like, ripping it open, and then finally sitting down, albeit a day later, and starting to play it. And, oh my god, let me tell you, I felt right at home. Right at home. And I loved it, and I loved it, and I loved it, and I loved it. So, so much. But then, something happens. Because I've mentioned this before on the show. One, after about 50 hours, my, sort, my attention sort of goes off on its own little thing. Um, 
So I was sort of going, okay, time to wrap this up. Bring it home, basically. I think I did something like 52 hours in Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is fine. I was honestly expecting some sort of overlap, like 50, 51, 52 hours. Fine, fair enough. By the time I finished up Persona 5, how long did, you, did your play free for Royale take? Can you remember? Uh, 130 hours. Right. See, I mainlined the story. I completely mainlined it. I didn't really do a whole lot of side stuff. I just basically mainlined the story. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I finished it. If my memory serves me right. I finished it in around 70, 80 hours. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because, like I said, I, I, I sort of sort of mainlined the story, the, the main story. But also as well, like I said, I, I can only hold my patience so long. You can only hold my attention for so long. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of Persona 5, I feel like by the time it was starting to wrap up, it was wrapping up at too slow of a pace. It was going about at a pace where it just felt like it was padding itself out. It was stretching itself out for the sake of just padding it out. And I think in itself, the final dungeon with, um, oh, what do you call it again? Uh, Yell the Buff. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. That entire dungeon was something like 10, 15 hours in itself. And I was just like, no. Too long. Too, too, too fucking long. Too long for my liking to the point where it absolutely demoralized me and like actually ruined the game for me as time has gone on. Cause like I had it in my own top 10 games for the year it came out in 2017. Like if you even go back a few years earlier, like I mentioned it for the end of year special we did on my favorite game. And I mentioned how for the first 50 hours, it was this amazing game. But after that point and the final dungeon, it just, it felt like it was padding itself out, like I said, for the sake of padding it out. And like as time has gone on, that last dungeon just completely ruined my time with the game. And so I say I hate Persona 5 now. I don't necessarily mean as in to say no, I now hate the entire game, if only it were so easy. And like, you know, I joke about putting my game in the bin. And I actually did put it in the bin, but I actually probably should take it out. No, <laughs> but I assure you, it is now fine and it's back up on my shelf. My point is, to all of this, I joke, I do joke. But it also sort of demoralized me from playing Persona 5 again. Like with Persona 4 and Persona 4 Golden, I've not played Persona 4 Golden since I finished it a few years ago. But like at the same time, I have no qualms going back to that again, you know, sometime down the line. With Persona 5, I I don't feel the sense of wanting to go back because of how bad that last dungeon was pacing-wise anyway. Because it was just, it 
ruined a lot of goodwill for me, frankly, with that game. And so, I guess this isn't really a question. It's more of a rant than anything, because <laughs> I need to get out of my system. <laughs> but so, okay. So, is it literally just that last bit? Um, yeah, that so, felt like it was dragging out. Is that literally it? it that is it for me. Like it just completely <laughs> sort of destroyed a lot, if not all, the goodwill I developed towards that game. I think, in general, Persona Five is, uh, content-wise, you could complete it. Like you said, um, if you mainlined it, you could complete it in less hours than the first two, mm. um, the previous two, uh, and it it again same thing where I feel like they did it did feel like they were padding things out to get more hours in because uh, I think I'm not I I might be generalizing here but jrpgs tend to do that like they just want to pad out more and more hours of their game right like that all of our games is so like that in just by nature um persona 5 definitely i think fell into that trap uh but i i obviously played 135 hours and i was thinking why am i so long but i played the royal version which had extra few like an extra like 10 30 hours or so towards the end because of the extra dungeons um and i think to me uh like i agree i think persona 4 has a more compelling story um and the pacing is better uh which is probably why the the you know the big reveal of the big bad of like whatever god you're uh going up against is a lot more like exciting i think for sure um but I guess for me, that didn't really bother me that much. I think I was enjoying the process. Like, um, if you don't enjoy the process, anything can feel tedious, right? And I, hmm. that, that's what I'm getting from your <laughs> rant, was that Persona 5 felt like it was tedious and the payoff wasn't as big as you expected it to be, so that fell flat. Whereas hmm. for me, uh, I did struggle a little bit with the the end concept of the god that you're trying to defeat because that's Prashana's stick, isn't it? Where you just, you know, you're a bunch of kooky friends and then you, by the end of it, let's go up against God. <laughs> um, I love that trope. But also, like, um, I think it was interesting. To me, I liked that. I liked it. Because it was there's a lot of callbacks on like previous uh big bosses that you went up against, you know, mm. and but again, I can love something and criticize it. I did think the uh the connection that they made, where it was like, okay, this god wants to take basically take away free will from the the world from like the general populace, um and uh like the kids are saying like no, you know that's again with the with the whole theme of being rebellious is that yeah. you have free will and you want to go against the rules you don't want to be told what to fucking do like that's literally the teenage mantra don't tell me what to, to fucking do and yeah, they bring that all you, the way I up won't do what you tell me yeah and i think i uh, i think i caught that early enough long enough that towards the final end you know, they just brought that theme all the way to the end. 
um, even with the extra content in Royale, like um, the the theme is there as well. It's again like uh, it's not a, it's not a, that huge of a spoiler, but it's basically like you know you're in this almost perfect world where you get everything that you want, but you know it's not real, which is why you're going up in this final dungeon because you're going up against the person who is making this fake world, right? And in this fake world, there's a lot of people that died in the first in the in the first game, um, that is alive again, um, and a lot of you know the internal turmoil that these kids go through is that they have to choose reality where they have the choices where they can make their own decisions, right? So that was the whole that was the whole part of it where they want to make their own decisions, mm. um, and I think they did that quite beautifully in Persona Five Royale and. Again, not a really big, not a really big spoiler, but in the final final battle um, with Royale, you the final thing that you do is a single button press that says shoot, and like this could have been a cutscene. This could have easily been a cutscene where you, the protagonist, just go up, um, like your character literally runs up to this really big thing and he is standing right in front of this massive like head of the main uh, of the final boss mm. with his gun just pointed point blank straight up to the face and then a little ui little thing comes up that says fire and you know a little x for for the playstation that that reminds remember- that, that, that that honestly reminds me of metal gear solid 3 cuz like I don't know if you've seen it somewhere or whatnot, um, but like with Metal Gear Solid 3, right at the end, there's a scene right at the end of the last boss fight with the boss. It's Snake versus mm. the boss. You beat the boss. She hands you her gun. You point it at her. And that, and it, like you say, like in Persona 5, that could have been a cutscene. But that is actually a gameplay moment. You're forced to shoot, you're forced to shoot your mentor. You're forced to pull the trigger on her. And that was a bit of... That, up until The Last of Us, was a big reason why I loved Metal Gear Solid 3 to the point it was my favourite game for so long until The Last of Us won. It handed you that decision. It handed you that ga- that decision in gameplay, not cutscene. It was a massive, massive... Mm. Impetus, um, no, not impetus, a massive, massive sort of choice it provided on you and it was a yeah. big one too considering how meaningful the boss is as a character i should stop before i get ahead of myself because then if i do i'm going to talk about that mm-hmm. scene in metal gear solid free all day and I, I digress it reminds like you describing the scene that way because admittedly it's been a while since I, well, i've not played Persona mm-hmm. 5 since i finished it but like it did remind me a lot but when the way you were sort of describing that scene, it, it did remind me a lot of the boss in Metal Gear Solid 3 anyway, when you have to mm. shoot her, basically. Yeah, so I think that's the thing. For a cutscene-heavy type of game, which is most of these story narrative-based games, Especially the fact Gear. that they, yeah, they turn it back onto the player and be like, no, you, you, you press the nuke button on this, like that's in your hands, right? And I remember literally just having to stop for a little bit, like, I don't know if I'm like in person for when I said like my palms are sweaty because I've been playing for so long and you know my whole body's kind of a little bit shaking and it's like I know it's this close to finishing it that like 
feeling of my sweaty, sweaty palms and like just slightly like still feeling like phantom vibrations from my controller of playing mm. the game for so long. I felt that again with Persona 5 Royal. Um, I know I'm speaking of an experience that you didn't you didn't go through, um, which is why I still think like Persona 5 Royal um, is a really good like director's cut of a video game like compared to Persona 5. Like I don't even fault anyone for disliking Persona 5. But at the same time, I feel validated for really liking Persona 5 Royal because it is almost like two different games. Hmm. And um, that final moment, uh, I remember just pausing to take a photo <laughs> of the TV screen because I was like, oh my gosh, I need like I, I need to record this memory somehow. <laughs> I, took a photo I need to record this moment of validation. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was kind of funny. It was weird because like, because it was such a late game thing, I didn't really want to spoil people. But then again, original came out in 2017 and no one's really paying it now. So I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, so I Instagrammed it and I was like, this is amazing. Um, and yeah, just speaking of, I think that's the thing. Like when you talk about video games, you talk about what it made you feel, what 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 went through your mind, what was the like visceral reactions you have physically you know, and not just emotionally. Um, and Persona 5 gave me that because I'm, I managed to pull through towards the very, very end. Um, and I, again, I also did a lot of the mini, mini games, like a lot of the side things. I did all of them because I just really liked it. Uh, but I also realized that's not how most people play it. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was, it was definitely a game that I was lucky because number one, um, I was already a fan of the Persona games, so I was looking forward to it. But mm. number two, I am unique in a way that I don't mind things being delayed. Like I don't feel the need to play things now. All of the games that I play are always like a year old or something. Um, unless unless it's awards season, um, then I have to play video games for judging. <laughs> um, but like if I'm getting, playing games for fun, it's so I always wait a little bit longer and because and I didn't even know Royal was going to come out right um I have no idea what Royal was but I I knew that it was coming out like one or two years after not playing Persona 5 and you know I I look I think I was going to buy it but Royal was supposed to come out in like two months or something so I was like nah I'm just going to wait for a Royal uh and I'm glad I did because it's I think I would have not wanted to play Royal if I played the original. Just going based off of like you know people's comments, like all the hundreds of YouTube comments, uh, YouTube videos of people kind of like criticizing the first game. Um, but no, I got lucky in like so many different ways, and I am happy to be the if if Persona Five Royal. If I'm the only person <laughs> who thinks it's like favorite of all time game worthy, I'm okay to be that person. Like. I'm okay with it and I'm okay with uh, not having anyone else to squeal with me, but that's also not true. Other people love it. With that being said, let's say that I decided to give Persona 5 a second chance. Let's say I was interested in playing Royale again or playing Royale for the first time. Sell me on them. Dave, They've actually, you know what? They've actually fixed a lot of the dungeon issues. And I only say this because I did, I never felt any of the dungeons were difficult. Not difficult, more like uh, annoying or like tedious. I mean, some of the mini games, like 
when you turn into a mouse I hated that like that was kind of annoying but it was also like quite easy um, and quick to finish so a lot of like those kind of issues they did fix um, and I remember what it's called now uh, Memento like yeah. the underground thing yeah yeah mementos, so yeah. that was yeah so that, that was apparently quite uh grindy as well but was, they've yeah. actually added um they've added um this little boy where you collect flowers um and you collect flowers in mementos and then you sell this to this boy um and the like the stuff that he gives you in in, in turn for that is actually really really good like they're really very good like things that you definitely use in in for your main dungeon quests and stuff and i think because it's like uh procedurally generated um they've tweaked it as well so that process is also actually quite well done uh i also didn't have an issue going through mementos um and They've added more stuff to do with social links. <laughs> you can earn higher social links. Uh, like there's a lot of like, these tiny bits and bobs where like you can choose certain dialogue and you get like extra social link points and things like that. And like you get like extra bits of uh, cutscenes and voiceover tracks and things like that. So I feel like a lot of the teething issues, like, you know, tiny like quality of life stuff that was really grating um like mona telling you to go to bed or whatever like apparently that was a, a thing oh, was. um it that was. people really hated but but that wasn't that was not a thing at all in royal so i was just like why is people why are people like i was purely confused at like the dissonance between like the bad reviews not even bad reviews just like tiny like niggles and complaints right and my actual experience has been fun. Um, even my housemate, who doesn't play any Persona games, he would actually just sit in there in the living room because he enjoyed the music so much, you know? <laughs> and, um, and he would just watch me play and stuff. And yeah, like a lot of my criticism with it is basically how it handles story, um, certain characters and things like that. And I don't think that you, you can't really change that um, in Royale. Um, but whereas like quality of life fixes, um, I think the things that makes you not want to stick around, they mm. definitely have fixed that. Like, and also there's no shame in playing on easy mode um, just to get through the story really quickly because mm. uh, I'm we're all adults <laughs> and we don't have that much time. Like we need to do like life admin things. But yeah, I think... Um, it is definitely director's cut, like so many quality of life fixes that you can just tell the team wish they did first time over, but they've had the chance to do in personal five Royale. Um, and as a developer, I think not many people get that chance. Like once you release mm -hmm. something, it's out there, you know, like you might do some patches here and there, but like you don't get a whole second life re-release, you know, like a whole new packaging, a whole new thing, you know, like a whole new like, opening uh opening cutscene music a whole new character in there uh, all of these things like as a developer if i worked on persona 5 i would be so happy to be able to do that again like get things right for persona 5 royal mm -hmm. um and maybe that's why i'm a lot more uh like lenient on them <laughs> i'm always i always i'm i'm less harsh on on video games i find the longer i'm in the industry the more i feel like you know there's a reason why things happen the way they were mm. no definitely
Um, honestly, I think he might have just done enough that he actually sell me on. I'm not even lying when I said I like you actually might have done you might have actually sold me on. It'll be probably a while for reasons that I explained to Anissa before we started. Yeah. But like and uh, you sold me on it. You've I think you've sold me on it anyway, for sure. So I think you need you definitely need to think about about it as like a whole new thing, you know, mm. like like kill the old the old thing in your head like that's dead like that's a shit game like come come with it fresh eyes maybe oh. in the future maybe give it give it five years or so <laughs> when you have enough distance from it so that you know when you're looking at it you're, you don't get angry anymore you're just like mm. hmm I'll, I'll give it a go like what? an old ex-partner <laughs> not that you should ever get back with your ex god no you're also thinking like <laughs> should be like Maybe they've changed, you know. Maybe there we can still kind of be friends. <laughs> See how they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But also, if it doesn't work out, we can just stop playing, and it's fine. It's completely fine. Well, like saying something just then, um, you reminded me of that line, in "The Last Jedi." Um, or I can't remember. It was fuck, kind of fucking said, and I can't remember what the life of me what the line was. Fuck. Uh, you can look it up. Kill, kill it, I, destroy it if you I, must. Basically, I think that was it. <laughs> kill it, destroy it if you must. I'm actually going to look this up. Kill it, destroy it if you must. Last Jedi. I'm actually yeah. Let the past die. That was it. <laughs> destroy it. <if laughs> that was it. That's right. Yep. Let the past die. No, that's true. Um. Yeah. I mm. think. Uh. If I if I were to try to convince you to play Persona Five, that game, I would be like, no, like that's impossible because that's the same game. But hmm. Persona Five Royal is literally not the same game at all. Hmm. So you have you have think, sold me for it. I think definitely. Yeah, I wonder if you can do it on like New Game Plus because you'd advance so much quicker on New Game Plus, and I think hmm. that would just make your experience much so much better. Oh. <laughs> That would make my life a lot easier. Certainly would be a time convenience anyway. Exactly. Uh, so, besides, well, we sort of talked about Persona 3 and 4 anyway uh, earlier, so, like, we don't need to sort of delve into it too much, but, like, um, the other aspect of Persona 5 is Persona 5 Strikers has just come out as of recording this. In fact, yesterday it literally just came out. Um, yes. Are you going to play it? Um, probably. Um. I say that because I own a Switch uh, and I love Persona 5. So obviously this feels like, of course, I'm going to get it. But <laughs> there's always a but. Uh, the reason I like Persona 5 is because I like the the turn-based JRPG genre. Like turn-based, that's the thing that I love. Um, which is why I didn't like the Final Fantasy VII remake as much. was because they've moved from turn-based to more action-based. Um, and I can see why it's more exciting for people. But... That game drained me. So similarly with Persona 5 Strikers, it's it's a bit of a hack and slash, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's a Musou game, yeah. Exactly. And I don't fancy that genre of video games, but I'm always open to trying new things. And if the genre is packaged in a Persona 5 package, clearly they want me to play it. So I feel like I don't have a choice. <laughs> I'll have to play it. 
Definitely. Um, I think I actually I don't think I've seen a whole lot of like strikers a whole lot since it was announced. I probably should watch at least one mm. new trailer, but recent trailer anyway. So I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know anything about it in a uh, story wise. Uh, I, I, know I know it. I know it takes place after the main story of Persona Five. Anyway. Yeah, like it's it's almost like a, a uh you know like an epilogue like a after the thing and then you kind of see everybody again that kind of thing and i've seen some reviews saying that as a continuation of a story it's quite nice hmm. so i'm looking forward to that at least um but the the thing that ugh, the thing the thing that i just want answers for which i'm pretty sure i will not get is just you know the whole Akechi thing, like what what happened to him? You know, because it's 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 kind of it's really blurry. Like we don't know what happens to him at, mm. in, at the end of Persona Five Royal, even. Uh and that, mm, yeah, I think that's what that's gonna kill me, not knowing what happened to him. Uh and I don't think Strikers will answer that. Definitely not. Like uh, I think Strikers will have its own like post game storyline. That is separate from the whole Akechi thing, hmm. but you know what? <laughs> Fan fiction exists. <laughs> Fan art exists. I'm. I have been hunting down some like Akechi specific comics, so I'm good. <laughs> I do. I do love how how uh quite the bisexual icon uh the protagonist is <laughs> in Persona Five, because Akechi is so clearly his boyfriend. And Kasubi is so clearly his girlfriend. Like, he goes both ways, and he's having a great time. Like you say, fucking icon. Queer icon. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I love it. Um, So, what else do you like about Persona 5 Royale uh, that we've not touched upon, basically? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think when people talk about Persona 5, they think about, you know, the whole JRPG aspect of it, of, you know, dungeons and, uh, you know, it's a team, it's a party that you you have to level up and uh, you grind and things like that, which is classic JRPG. But Persona as a series, what they did really well is the whole um, life simulation that I mentioned, like as a student. And I think with a lot of video games, uh, you forget how young people are because, you know, it like they, they can just say in a, in a biography page somewhere like this character is 17 or whatever and you're just like no 17 year old could do any of these things whereas with persona 5 they have a lot of uh really quirky things that i feel like is very much reminiscent of your teenage years because it's set in school you know you still have to do like uh your school work so there's i really love those tiny little social moments um not just with your social links, but, you know, just those tiny bits where in the, uh, because it's cool, you have exams, um, you know, in the midst of all this, you, you still have to study. So there's like these little, like heartfelt little tiny scenes and you're in the library and you're just trying to figure things out and you're, you know, and then you study in the library or, or you study in a restaurant or, um, you know, you hang out with your friends to go to a bookstore. Just there's all these tiny, like, um, social narrative bits. I really like that. And I think um, that's that's the, one of the stronger parts of Persona as a series is because 
one of the main themes is social links and the only way you do social links is by you know commu communication and like the little interactions that you have like persona romanticizes a fantasy setting but at the same time it it romanticizes the everyday life um and i think we need more of that where we are happy to go through our everyday lives of like you know there's nothing wrong with rituals uh repetitions habits uh people think if you do the same thing every day in and out you're wasting your life away mm. but in reality you only get good at something because of repetition right mm. like if you go to the gym every day or you know consistently or if you draw consistently that repetition that constant like small habit building of whatever you're doing that is the reason why you're good at that thing hmm. you know um some people are really good at certain video games because they play it all the time um and i think we need more of that where again it's persona has this really great way of making you feel like god i wish i was this cool in this amazing costume like doing this like heist in this massive casino in this fake world you know where it has like real life consequences that is like riveting but at the same time i enjoy just texting my friends in the game and like there's a group chat with you and your party members i love mm. those and like someone says something stupid and everybody just shits on him uh always ryuji ryuji is always the butt of the jokes um you know and like and everybody has their own personalities as well it's not like you're always together you know mm. um so i think that's a thing like if i think about my school days my teenage years i i miss that i miss the casual meetups the whole the the spontaneous things that you do as a child like these days uh i live in london if I want to meet any of my friends, I have to pre-book them like two weeks in advance being like, hey, are you free this Saturday or like this Tuesday? You know, obviously I'm talking about pre-pandemic days. Um, but even now, like people get Zoom fatigue and you can't just call up somebody like and they'll be like, I, I really don't want to talk right now. Like I'm tired and stuff. Right. But in Persona 5, like you, you kind of just do that. Like there was a, this whole bit where you can just walk around town and just see who's there and you can decide to spend time with them or not, right? So that's part of the social link where you spend time with them to um, get your link up. But uh, obviously power users or players will have the schedule so they know when which characters are appearing when so they can maximize uh, you know, that, kinda, that part of it. Mm. But I actually enjoyed literally not planning that and just walking around and feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm going to see Anne today. I wonder if she's around. So I'll go into that underground mall to see if she's there. And, you know, if she is, I'm like, yes, great. I'm going to let's go do a thing with her because I want to link up with her and stuff. Mm. And yeah, so I think that's the that's the best part. One of the best parts of Persona is like the dichotomy of fantasy world and just regular school kids world. And they marry the two so well. Hmm. Um, the, the the way you put it, like it's just that basic case of routine, basically, which is pretty much mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like we sort of live or die by it, especially if you're a person of neurodiversity, like myself, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I 
I think it's really weird because like uh, I, I've been diagnosed with ADHD and I'm currently on medication for it. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I should fully discuss if considering Nisa's, you know, talking about her, whereas I may as well be upfront. And this is the first time I've actually openly said about this on the show. Like, I'm autistic. Like, I'm, like, routine is, funny enough, for an autistic person, I am not very good with routine. So the way you sort of describe that, it's just like, like, I, I, I respect that and I understand, but routine just goes like, whoosh, over my head. Yeah, so I was, I think that's the irony of it. Um, so ADHD and uh, autism uh, overlaps quite a bit. Like a lot yeah. of the symptoms are quite similar. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure I'm not autistic, autistic but I mm. am diagnosed with ADHD. So in that regard, I kind of relate a little bit in the sense that routine is impossible for me. Like it is yeah. just it's difficult and I hate it and I, I and it's also the reason why I don't achieve a lot of things I set out to achieve you know um, and ironically <laughs> apparently a lot of like the solutions to my problem is to have a routine I, I speak to doctors psychiatrists I have a therapist I see I've been seeing for four years and they always emphasize on the uh, benefits of routine but it's so difficult like it's so so difficult to do that and um even on medication it's still a lot of effort like it's not like a one-shot solution it's like you you design your life around it to um how you say like to make sure that you don't fall out of routine um Mm. and you kind of uh you manage it the best you can so that you don't like big things don't slip like sometimes you just have to let go of certain things because you know you just don't have the capacity for it or or whatever Mm. and just to connect this back to Persona 5 it's ironic in a sense that like routine is so much easier to do in a video game (laughs) like I have set routines for like things that I want to do and hit like you know there's goals that I want my character to hit like like I know that um, certain social links will give me certain benefits in in battle. Um, So that was one of the perks of social links, right? Mm. So I'm just like, oh, I need to go see this person. I need to spend time with them and stuff like that. Mm. Um, So that's... um, it's, It's a... I think, again, with the whole, like, playing a fantasy... It's also playing a fantasy of being able to keep to your routine. <laughs> that's a that's a good way of putting it. That's honestly a good way. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's why I really like Persona Five. Like it's just so, it hits all the right spots for all the different things that I like. You know, fantasy and real life. Hmm. Um. What didn't you like about Persona 5? Like, we have talked one or two of the problematic aspects of story in a way, but, like, what else did you like? So a lot of the issues that I have with it is, again, uh, story-related. So it's always how they handle certain themes. Hmm. Um, we, we mentioned the whole, like, student-teacher relationship and how it's quite hypocritical of, you know, being incredibly, like, you know, this this male teacher is horrible and yeah he he was horrible like he mm. flat out one of the worst uh, well done antagonists that I've seen but the completely lacks treatment to the the female teacher when she's basically doing the same thing um and I think the um 
the other thing that I thought uh, was bad was that, like you, uh, I think I, we mentioned earlier how it felt like it was a bit rushed towards the end. Mm. Like they just padded things, and it was really substantial. Uh, mm. I think uh, Haru, the the last girl that you recruit um, mm. into your party, her story was the I thought was going to be a, a huge point. As in, is it? Should I just talk about spoilers here? Like yeah, go for the it. Go that, for yeah, so like her dad dies, and that was the turning point where your group changes from like a happy-go-lucky group to like, oh fuck, shit, someone died because of us, you know. Mm. Um, regardless if it was them or not, right? But that that guilt of taking away the life of a parent who, you know, the, the parent of your friend, no less. Mm. Uh. And it kind of, it wasn't handled as great as I thought it was going to be handled. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, a lot more impactful. Um, and, like, a lot of the other drama, you know, took over. Whereas Haru kind of never had her limelight to process and grieve the loss of a parent. Um, like, obviously, her dad wasn't a nice person, but, you know, you still grieve bad parents. So I think there was a lot of like moments there that was a little bit missed, um, like a hit, hit or miss. Hmm. Uh, um, yeah. And I guess if I'm going to be nitpicky about storylines, I think Mona, the cat, his storyline is also a little bit weird in the sense that like, there was a lot of buildup of like, who am I? Where am I from? You know, this internal turmoil of like, not knowing what you are hmm. and I think the reveal of it was also not super strong <laughs> yeah I think I wanted to feel a bit more empathy for Mona um, and I really wanted him to um, get that closure oh I think I remember now like he basically quote unquote died right he sacrificed himself but then he just comes up again later on as a cat and everyone's like we thought you died Jesus <laughs> I was ready to cry there I was like oh Mona I've been hating on you for like most of the most of the game not hating more like you know you're a little bit annoying <laughs> so I was gonna be all like I'm sorry I hated on you oh, please don't die but then he came back and I was like <laughs> I'm gonna smack you <laughs> the annoyance is justified not <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly uh but yeah, I think aside from that, though, other characters did uh, get the progression that I think they deserved, which is really, really good. Particularly your pseudo dad, um, that that uncle that you live with uh, or live in the cafe of. Um, he he really didn't like you at first, but he eventually warmed up to you and just actually treated you like his son. And I thought that was a really good progression. Um, but yeah. Um, this feels probably uh, an, a simple answer. I'll probably I'll probably get a simple answer for this, but like um, top three Persona games, what would they be? Obviously Persona 5 Royal at the top. If I had to guess, it'd be something like followed by four, then three, right? Yep. Yep. Um, 
yeah, Persona 4 smashed 3 out of the water. Whereas Persona 5, a lot of people still preferred 4 over 5. And I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, that just makes the ranking easy for me. 3, 4, 5. <laughs> Wouldn't it be 5, 4, 3? Yeah, like I think I was counting backwards. Are we sure we're going to have to start recording again? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, were we not talking about Persona 3 this whole time? mentions go for it if i'm gonna do like a really quick five of this i would say hades is in recent memory uh one of the best games i've ever played by one of the most uh aspire aspirational video game studios there is currently still working the games industry uh which is super giant games based in san francisco um i've followed them since bastion uh transistor was was my favorite game that they made up until Hades came out. Mm. Um, again, I know a lot of people didn't like Transistor as much uh, because they prefer, like, you know, Bastion was a really strong game. But apparently, I, love, I just like I love that Transistor. most people don't like. I love Transistor. I, I think it was just the last boss just sort of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way, but I love Transistor otherwise. Transistor was amazing. I was in love with it. Again, bomb, bomb-ass, like, uh, soundtrack, both Transistor and uh, Hades. Um, Super Giant Games, obviously, one of their strong suit is the sound guy. Uh, I forget his name now, but Darn yeah, like, there you go. Yeah, amazing. Um, but also, like, I don't want to be cliche to say Hades as my favorite game because, like, everybody loves Hades, so it's not really an original thought, is it? <laughs> uh, but you know, like, in recent memory, Hades was amazing. Uh, Persona 5 gave me the whole like goosebumps and just made me rethink my career. Da, 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 da. Um, but if I go back a little bit further backwards uh i want to say final fantasy 13 and 13 2 was really really good like i again it was people hated 13 when it came out uh i i'm one of again, them. no problem like i know it's it <laughs> sorry go on it's, it's like, it's, it's, yeah <laughs> i think the biggest critique was like it's fine like it's the like the linear progress and then like how it was just like a, a single corridor for ages and i think i like that like i i hate open world like open world no i cannot do open world games because um as a person who needs to do side quests open worlds are are, are daunting like i i would just never finish a game because i'm busy doing all the side quests uh whereas 13 the linear progression of the first half was not an issue at all mm. and uh i i enjoyed it till the end 13-2, um, I didn't like a lot of the characters as much, but the battle system was a very strong progression from the paradigm system of 13 as well. 
Um, I really enjoyed it. I fucking hated 13-3, though. That's a stupid-ass game. So, <laughs> as as far as I'm concerned, Lightning finishes at 13-2. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. And, obviously, Final Fantasy VII and Kingdom Hearts 2 is uh, childhood favorites. I, I don't think I don't think I can play them now. Um, no, original seven is too old for me to play right now. Um, I have this thing where I don't like playing older games because uh, UX didn't exist back then, <laughs> and they're all mostly very painful. Um, and obviously, you know, no, uh, nostalgia, rose-tinted glasses—they will yeah. always be much better in my memories than they are actually being replayed. Hmm. And oh, I can't believe I didn't mention this: Fire Emblem. Awakening specifically, one of my top all time, like again with Persona, like uh, so after Persona Four, I played Fire Emblem, Awakening. You know, just going by like moments, like top ten video game moments of my life. That's Persona Four, and then that's Fire Emblem Awakening, and then that's Persona Five Royal, uh, Awakening. Uh, that was my very first Fire Emblem. Uh, I've never played any of the previous Fire Emblem before in my life. Um, very glad I started with Awakening. It is Chef Kiss, one of their best iterations because they've got like a bajillion different versions um, of Fire Emblems. And Fire Emblem Three Houses, it came out recently. I enjoyed it. Flat out, I did enjoy it. But it definitely didn't, it definitely lacked that holy shit video games, you know, <laughs> feeling that Awakening gave. Um, Awakening made me realize I liked that genre. I never played that kind of like tactical genre before, um, tactical RPGs. Um, I, I couldn't play Final Fantasy Tactics at all. Um, but yeah, speaking of like UI, like how Persona 5 made me feel like I, I want to be better at UI, Fire Emblem Awakening, uh, not that their UI is amazing as it was, like it, it was great, but not Persona 5 great. But that game inspired me to like create a mobile, uh, like a mobile app that you could use to play alongside that game. Because uh, I don't know for anyone who never played Fire Emblem Awakening, uh, you basically have units. Uh, you know, you go to war with them. Like they, they have you have like your different weapons each unit, and you know that's permadeath. Um, but they also have classes, the job system. Um, the the thing that makes Awakening amazing is that you can marry your units to each other and then their future child actually comes into the past in your current time uh, and that child, all of their stats is based on their two parents and this just opens up a plethora of ways of you can build your team mm. and because of this, you know, like certain jobs are tied to the jobs of the parents. So if you want that child to have a certain job with certain skill set, you, you do this little thing where you're trying to like matchmake a bit of like a, a, a dating sim simulation now where you're matchmaking all your team members together. And I thought like the most, you need a way to do this more efficiently because I was using like this weird program that people like a .exe people put up on the internet where you can put input like two characters and you output what their child could be and what are all the like possible um, jobs of that child could be. And I was like, I can make an app out of this. Still would be amazing. Um, and that was the very first time I ever felt like I wanted to design a whole like side, like a, 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 a company app 
<laughs> to go with the video game that I'm playing right now. And yeah, I think all of my video games that I like awakens a certain nerd factor in me and it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing though. That's a really good thing. <laughs> I hope so. Um, top three games ever. What would they be? Obviously Persona 5 Royale at the top. How would you fill in two and three? Oh, fuck. Um, that's difficult. Mm. I'm biased towards Hades as second, just because it's fresh and new. Like, you know, we've been playing it for the past mm. year. Um, I've been playing on this, on the Switch. Mm. So I'll just say Hades just because it's new. Mm. And uh, number three, it would be Kingdom Hearts 2. Because if that game didn't exist... I wouldn't be in the video games industry. So I blame Kingdom Hearts 2 for all of my bad life choices to end up here. <laughs> Any and all bad choices Anissa has made in life as well as career can be attributed to Kingdom Hearts 2. Yep. Yep. All of like the bad boys that I dated, terrible men, Kingdom Hearts 2. That's it. That fault. Yeah. Bad life choices, Kingdom Hearts 2. Bad career choices, Kingdom Hearts 2. Bad choices in general, Kingdom Hearts 2. Kingdom Hearts 2, yep. <laughs> I wake up one day thinking I should have gone to the gym, but I did not. Why is that Kingdom Hearts 2? <laughs> <laughs> fun times, fun times. So, uh, yes, I am a UI designer <laughs> and you can follow me and all of my bad choice antics on Twitter at Studio Anisa. Uh, and I just so happened run a mentorship program on the side called Limit Break Mentorship. And we are a mentorship program aimed at underrepresented people working in the UK industry. So to find out more about us, we are at www.limitbreak.co.uk or on Twitter at LB Mentorship. Uh, and we're opening up, we always, it's an annual thing, we open up every April. So if you're a game developer, you wanna see me talk about UI in the, in the Slack all the time, <laughs> join Limit Break. And like Anissa said, follow her on Twitter so then you can sort of see her make those bad sort of decisions that can be attributed to Kingdom Hearts 2, basically. I, I'm pretty sure I've recently tweeted about Kingdom Hearts 2 and how it resulted in my life right now. <laughs> With that being said, let's say that 
I decided to give Persona 5 a second chance. Let's say I was interested in playing Royale again. Or playing Royale for the first time. Sell me on it. Sell me on it as someone who sort of jaded with the original Persona. Because of that last bit. There goes my Dunbar. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can happen on my favorite game. <laughs> I think that might have there been. A, that might have been a message of sorts. That might have been a premonition of sorts. Like I have to say, I'm expecting Persona Five Royale to join the main game. Then not. No, I can't. I can't.